Lord, I ask in your name that um, we would be bringers of light. I feel like in this world, um, even as Christians, we tend to elevate two kinds of heroes, anti-heroes. <laughs> we want the warrior. We, we want to replace Jesus with, with Joshua or King David. And we want to take out all those people that, are, that we don't like. We see humans as the enemy rather than humans as captives by the enemy. Lord, we, uh, we also want to lift up the, the pseudo-anti-hero um, that just points out everything that's wrong in the world, the bloggers and the podcasters and this is, this is wrong and that's wrong and these people are bad and everything's awful. And, I, and Lord, I pray that you would raise up an army of people um, that can see light that can say beautiful things, that can paint a picture that you have put in their heart. Lord, I, I pray, I mean, the, the difference between the Malcolm X and the Martin Luther King Jr., Lord, I pray that you would raise up people that have a dream, that can see and say beautiful things, that can call people to a better world. Let us not only be receivers of light, but bringers of light into the world. It's one thing to hate the darkness. I just feel like so many people, all they know is how to hate darkness. I pray that you would also show us how to love the light, how to be filled with hope. Let the fruit of the Spirit wash over us, your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Awash us with light. If you would, even this morning, just in an atmosphere, state of prayer, just ask, say, Lord, speak to me. I love you, Jesus. Pray for the people next to you. Ask that God would speak to them. I pray that I would do nothing more than make you ever more famous and known, that I would lift high your light, and that people would be drawn to you. Illuminate the text and our conversations today. Amen. It is good to be with you all in the house of the Lord. It is good to be with you all today. I love it. I love that I get to be uh, man, the pastor here at this church, first hour, first location, first service that begins the week of ministry. I love it. And uh, even a couple of days ago, Josh and I and Kathy and a few others were here uh, doing a funeral and meeting with wonderful, wonderful people. And it was, it's so good to see some of our family members when they finish so well. And um, I, I just want you to know, I look across this congregation, and so many of you have gotten to know, I am so proud of you. And 
God is moving in such amazing ways, and I could not be filled with more gratitude uh, for the fact that I literally just get a pastor here and be with, be with you and celebrate your lives. Um, and then, like, even this last week, just reminded again, all the way to the very end, getting to celebrate the lives of such amazing people at such a great church. And so thank you for that. Uh, I'm excited to get into today. Today is the last. We take a little break every year, and we work our way through uh, our, uh, our process of connecting people into the church. And so we call it our growth track. And it's just a way to kind of hit pause in all of the series that we present and take a few weeks, and today's the last week of it, and just go, hey, this is how you get connected in the church. This is what it means to be a part of our family. And so today we're going to continue that continue that journey and actually kind of finalize it here this morning. And so I'm excited to do that. It's always fun for me to get to, to preach through the growth track. Uh, I said this in the, kind of the lens. So every year I kind of take it the look, I take a look at the growth track and there's like different nuances to it, kind of like a prism and you can shine a light on the prism and it creates the rainbow and you can kind of pick these different ways of looking at the growth track as an engine and see the beautiful uniqueness um, in each of, of them. And so this year, we've kind of taken the, the lens or the, the, the light, the, the prism light of, of uh, relationships. And so what we've been saying every week is this. I, I've been saying it every week. I believe in a world without loneliness. I believe in a world without loneliness. I believe that God created us and crafted us Four communities. We are created from the Trinitarian, Trinitarian family to participate in families. You were literally made like a puzzle to be a part of a greater whole. You are made to be in community. You are made to be in community. The problem with this idea, I believe in a world without loneliness, is that our world is filled with, it is, we are filled with loneliness. In fact, I even wonder at times, we were praying earlier this morning, uh, with some of the staff, the worship team. And it's like, I, I believe that like if you could kind of boil spiritual warfare down to like its most simple thing, it would be this. God loves harmony in all of its ways, right? So like even all the way down to like a cellular level. I mean, God loves harmony. He likes the body working as it should. It should produce life. And what is cancer? It's like a disharmony in the body. All these sicknesses, disharmony, things are out of rhythm. And then you take that disharmony. The enemy's always trying to create disharmony fall. And the disharmony then hits like families and, and the disharmony there. And God's always fighting for harmony. And then it can go to like even societies and the disharmony and God is fighting for harmony. You think of like everything from racial reconciliation to the fallout you had with your spouse or sister-in-law or brother-in-law or coworker. I mean, spiritual warfare at its basic level, as best as I can tell, is over God wanting there to be harmony all the way down to a cellular level, all the way as broad and big as like hurricanes and the dissonance in culture as a whole. I mean, God wants harmony. The enemy wants disharmony. As far as I can tell, that's like spiritual warfare at its most basic level. And so the enemy is always working to create loneliness, things that don't get along well. You're isolated, you're broken apart, it isn't working. The enemy's always, in his millions of complex ways, he's trying to create dissonance where God is trying to build harmony. 
And so as a church, it's really important for me, especially as I think through the growth track, getting people connected into the church, that we don't want to be a church that's only about ideas. We don't want to be a church that's only about ideas. We want to be a church that's about relationships with God and relationships with each other. We want to plant ministries, send missionaries, have different campuses, you know, launch ministries downtown on Thursday nights or participate with other churches or plant churches across town or send missionaries overseas because we're trying to help the world find glorious harmony with God and each other. We are fighting the dissonance. We are fighting the dissonance. We don't want to be a church that's only about ideas. We want to be a church that's about relationships, relationships with God and relationships with each other, healthy ones. In our church system, the journey from Christian ideas into Christian community, that journey from Christian ideas where somebody's like, oh man, I have a new idea. God's like illuminated the mind and you're going, whoa, maybe this whole God thing is real. Maybe I need to explore it or maybe I need to rededicate my life. Maybe I need to take it more serious. But the journey from merely an idea into Christian community, that process we call the growth track. And that's why we pause every year and talk about getting connected into our into our system, into our church, into the church. Not just our church, but the church. The steps that we have, we call them, the steps that we have, we call them encounter, discover, connect, and then the last one is live sent. So we've been going over these every week. So encountering God and Christian community, you know, discovering your purpose and how God uniquely made you, and then connecting within the body of believers. Remember, you're supposed to talk about your faith with other believers. It's literally commanded in scripture. And then the last part of this is living sent. We want our people that are part of our ministry to know their purpose and then to be living it. Listen, we want you to walk on this planet with divine, glorious purpose. I want that for you. Deeply, I want that for you. Like even as a dad, I was sitting with my kids the other day, my older kids, and it was after dinner. We were hanging around just talking. We do big dinners together, our giant family around our dinner table. And the little ones had finished and they were off playing. And the older kids and I were talking. I'm just sitting there thinking, I want my children so bad to have purpose in this life. But you guys, not just right, I want you. I want you to have purpose in this life. And so living sent, what does it mean to kind of discover that spiritual purpose, the whole journey, encounter, discover, connect, and then live sent? The living sent is you living out your spiritual purpose. So we have attached staff members, as if you've been a part of the services the last few weeks, you know this, to each of these segments. And we have staff members that give a lot of time and energy into helping development, develop people uh, in our greater movement in these areas. And uh, in this part of it, we have a staff member named A.J. Wilk. Who is so? Invite AJ up. Come on up, AJ. We probably ought to. Can you grab the chairs? Can you carry the microphone and the chairs? I have a feeling you and I might talk longer than the other interviews. Just saying. And so it might be good for us to look at you. Man, you got like your notes and the microphone and the chair. We just put you to work in this first first hour. Hopefully these chairs are balanced okay on the stage. Okay, so AJ. What's your name and what do you do here? 
<laughs> even though I literally just shared what your name is and what do you do here. Yeah, so my name's AJ um, for the third time this morning. I, uh, I'm the mobilization pastor here, mobilization and young adult pastor here at Trinity. And that's a term I often have to define to people. Like I tell my family members or friends back home, hey, I'm a mobilization pastor. And they're like, what, what in the is heck that? is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and in essence, what mobilization means is that we want to equip, empower, there go the notes. We want to equip, empower, and encourage you all to live out your faith in day-to-day life. Yeah. Mike and I and the rest of our team, we can't be in the businesses, the hospitals, the classrooms, the homes that you all are in. And so we actually believe in equipping our people, you all as the church, as it says, even in scripture, we equip the saints for the works of service. You all are the saints. You can tell your neighbor they're a saint. (laughs) And as the saints, we want people to reflect Jesus in every area of life. Yeah. And so it's just working through that idea of mobilizing, activating, empowering you all to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and there is a bit of a church history piece to this that's important. Uh, the way church originally starts, so if you go back and you're reading through the Bible and you're paying attention to context really closely in the early church, the church existed not as an outreach post, but as a place where they equipped saints for works of service. That's literally why the church existed. So when the church was first formed, it was not the primary place of evangelism. It was the place of empowerment. And the evangelism took place where? Uh, On the streets, in the homes, in the workplaces, everywhere you went. Um, And specifically, even just to call out the elephant in the room right away, This is a very easy thing to talk about and to say, equip the saints for the works of service. It's a hard thing to do. I think we all can realize if you've been at Trinity for any time, it's difficult to build relationships with people that don't know Jesus, to actually try to figure out how do I share my faith at my workplace with my neighbor in different in different areas of my life. So it's, it's an easy statement. It's a hard reality to live in. And, and that's essentially what I, I want more of my job to become is walking with you in those hard realities, in those places that are difficult and challenging and confusing, question marks. And maybe you go an entire few months and it's like, I don't know how I share my faith, what I do. And so that, that's essentially my job. Though I will say it's a high stakes question. You can kind of tell me my job at any point. So I hope that answer is correct. But. It's close enough. No, uh, I do, I do think, too, that we just, especially with the live sent piece of this as we get into it, you guys, there is so much spiritual warfare around this part of our job on this planet. The enemy is doing everything he can to wrap you sharing your faith, that idea of you sharing your faith, to wrap shame around that and fear around that. It is, it is the place of massive, massive spiritual warfare. So we are going to, when we push into this idea of living on purpose, living sent, we are pushing into a place where at a great, larger social level, the enemy is trying to wrap shame around proselytizing, (laughs) you know, uh, make it bad, make it awkward, make it weird, make it absolutely that's true. So you just have to step back at one point and go, what God is calling me to do at its very core is countercultural. And when you live countercultural, it's awkward. It just is. It's awkward. Like there are, I mean to say it really bluntly, there are parts of following Jesus 
that are going to look really different than the world, and they're going to be awkward. And this is one of them. Living scent is one of those things that's just countercultural on a lot of fronts. Okay, so uh, next question I have for you. Why do you personally, so I know this is a passion of yours, why do you personally care so much about this part of the work of the church and empowering people in it? I, uh, I first go to scripture for that. And just all throughout scripture, we see Jesus's passion and his heart for this kind of life lived. And uh, I mean, even in, I have my notes down here, 1 John four nineteen, the passage says, we love because he first loved us. So God loves you just as much as he loves the person that he's calling you to share his love with. And so if God loves them, I'm just wanting more of God's heart. I'm wanting more of his heart, his love, his care for people. Uh, Some of the ways that I I think about it is as I close my eyes and think about my week ahead, you know, at the end of every service, we say, you are sent. sent. As I close my eyes and I think of the week ahead I'm sent to, every person that I interact with, every person at my workplace, every person in my home, every person in my neighborhood, they are dearly loved. Yeah. That they are the beloved of God. And inviting them into that relationship is the the most important thing we can do. I think of even in Luke chapter 15, the three parables, Mm -hmm. the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and then the prodigal son. There are three different ways they got lost. The lost coin was kind of misplaced, or maybe uh, you could say they were hurt, and so so they're far away from God. The sheep maybe accidentally wandered away from their faith, wandered away from the love of God, and then the the prodigal son made an intentional decision, said, I'm actually turning from God, I'm walking away. And God's heart posture in all of those is I'm sprinting towards that son. I'm, I'm coming after him. I'm searching always urgently for that coin and I'm leaving the 99 to find the sheep and I just feel like that's the heart posture that's that's why I'm so passionate about living scent is because it's participating in God and loving his people yeah I had to I mean if I'm being totally transparent uh I had to pray for care yes like uh I remember being and I don't know if you all are are this way I remember uh, like you can be annoyed with people that don't have your values. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. So like where you see wherever you're at, whatever they're doing, I mean, everything from money to relationships to you, you watch them, maybe even your own children, how they're doing life and you, you're annoyed with their values, like how they, they do it. And I remember uh, I was studying philosophy in my undergrad. I was driving down the road. It was late one night. And there was, a, in the little town we were in where I was studying, there was a parking lot where a bunch of high school kids would hang out and like blast their music really late in the evening. And, and I would drive, and it would always annoy me because, you know, they're like peeling out, you know, all just, it was annoying. It was, ironically, it was where I was a few years before, but as a college student, it was annoying. And I remember driving by and there were a bunch of kids out there goofing off in the parking lot and music was blaring. It was late at night and I was super annoyed. I was driving by. And I felt like the Lord asked me to pray, um, Mike, pray that you would care for them, not just be annoyed with them. And so I would drive by and I just started praying like, Lord, I give me a passion. Help me care about the you know, state of these teenagers that are making all this noise and being annoying. Help me care for them rather than just be annoyed with them. And I would pray that over and over and over again. And uh, I kid you not, there was one day I, drive, I drove by there and uh, I looked in that parking lot 
and I began to tear up and I just started thinking about, I wonder where their homes are like. I wonder why they're, I wonder what these decisions they're making. Some of these people are going to make decisions that are going to affect them for the rest of their life. You know, who is going to make a difference? And it was from that moment that the Lord opened the door and I became a youth pastor for more than a decade. Um, And I ended up giving a ton of my time into doing ministry for the kids because you have to, you have to pray to care. Absolutely. I think getting God's heart, it's not something you just conjure up or, or I got to get better at this. I got to muscle it up. I got to try harder. It's actually encountering God. I mean, the, the growth track is the growth track for a reason. We encounter God. We discover who we are. We connect yeah. with each other to live sent. We can't do just, we can't just go live sent out of our own, um, out of our own strength. One thing, Mike, with the generation, maybe that we get annoyed by a lot, uh, Gen Z, there's some statistics. I'm Gen Z, so I know how annoying we can be sometimes. Um, <laughs> The, the statistics of Gen Z no. are, are this. Less than 30% of Gen Z attends church even one time a month. That's almost less than half of the pre- previous generation in America. They say that two-thirds, almost 70% of young adults between 18 and 25, they will leave the church for an extended time of at least six months. And wow. out of that 70%, almost a majority of them, almost 50%, never come back. Yeah. And so you, t- you ask, why am I passionate about this? My other role at Trinity is I'm a young adult pastor. I, I work with those kind of 18 to 30-ish year olds. And I, I just, my heart breaks for the fact that people are leaving the faith. They're leaving Christianity. They're leaving the, the place where they're going to find the most identity, the most wholeness, the most security, the, the fullness of life. And that's not a statistic to scare us or to shame us or to, or to get us even beat down. It's just a statistic of opportunity. Yeah. There are literally millions of people across the generations. It's not just a Gen Z thing. That's one statistic that desperately need the love of God. And he's inviting us to, to step into it. Um, one quote from somebody who works with this age group, and, and, and this idea is similar to what you said, Mike. We have to pray for it. We have, we have to do it. He says the quote, you won't find time for hard things like this. You have to make time. Yeah. So I feel like we just have to start making time to pray making time to share our faith, making time to build relationships with people that don't know Jesus because it's a desperate time and there's an urgency. It's not on us. There's no pressure on us, but the urgency, the awareness of, God, what are you doing? I want to join in. Man, there are times with the Lord, and even as you're like growing in faith, when you pause, like even in Discover Trinity, we ask like, what are you passionate about? Where is your heart at? And those are great questions. I'm not against them. But there are also times when you read the Bible and you ask the question, where should my heart be? Yes. What should my heart be for? What should I be passionate about? And, um, and I think that's important. I think one of the important first steps with the living scent is, um, you know, like when you're driving home through your neighborhood or you, wherever it is, you know, and you think, man, God, give me a passion. Help me to want to want this. Um, I love that Del- Dr. Del Tecca says it that way. I want to want to want it. Lord, help me to want to want this. And so I think that's a, a, good, a good place to, to do this. That's good. Uh, so the next question that I kind of have for you as we think this through is, oh, anything else you want to add before I? I guess just to speak to your want to want it. I think it's really important to differentiate between gifting and the call of God. Yeah. 
There are people, and I know people, I'm not like this. There are people that can walk into an environment, into a grocery store, into a place, and they just come alive. And they're connecting with brand new people. They make instant best friend. And evangelism is just part of their gifting. Yeah. But just because it's not our gifting doesn't mean it's not our calling. All of us as believers are called to share our faith. We might not be gifted in it. There might be areas you're more gifted in, like hospitality, or maybe you really come alive with intercession or or prayer, things like that. But just because you're gifted in something doesn't exempt you from doing the things you're not. It means you just have to ask God to give you the strength that's not your own. Yeah, yeah. And I think the living sent piece that is so woven into the DNA of this church uh, is... I mean, it's like you just sit back and you even look at this like logically. When you became a Christian, God left you on this planet. Why? Why did God leave you here? I mean, like, wouldn't it make way more sense and be way kinder, right? If, if to just like be baptized and then literally the word baptismo means to drown. So it's like, wouldn't it be like way, if you just like literally be baptized, then it's like, you're done. God takes you to heaven. That would, it, would heaven not be better than this? But you're here. Why did God leave you here? To live sent. Because lost people need you to represent his love. That's why you are here. That's why you're here. That's why your heart still beats. That's why he leaves you in this really difficult place. That's why he doesn't take you to heaven right away because you have a mission, a purpose. That's why you're here. It's huge. Okay, so last last question. How do people begin this journey? Yeah, I, I think of like the the big pitch and then you're like, join us, join us. We promise it's important. And I really do feel like just taking steps. I feel like it can get so overwhelming and discouraging to be like, I need to lead five people to Jesus this year and then it doesn't happen. Or just take that first obedient step. Matthew 28, it's kind of the the classic legacy of what Jesus invites us into in, in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. Surely I will be with you now and until the end of the age. Jesus promises his presence. That very beginning phrase is really how I think, Mike, we can join in is go and make disciples. You just said when, when you remember to the point you were saved, God didn't take us out of this world. When you remember the point you were saved, every single one of us in this room, every believer can remember a person or multiple people who were integral in that process of our salvation, who walked with us, who prayed with us, who shared with us. What was read at the beginning of this in in Romans, how can they hear unless someone tells them? How can someone tell them unless they are sent? It's the classic message of the church that we are going. And so I would also just, to, to keep on our relational theme as well, Discipleship isn't happening outside of the context of relationship. So maybe we don't have to overcomplicate it that much when it comes to discipleship. Who are the people in your lives that God has put in front of you in your life, and how can you build relationship with them, disciple them, even if they're non-believers? I think of some of the ways that so many of my young adults and maybe my grandma and others, um, they'll say, I I feel like I'm being discipled by John Mark Comer, or I'm being discipled by David Jeremiah. And and I'm like, okay, that's good. Um, th- those are f- famous pastors, and you, you, you hear their podcasts and their lectures. But discipleship, as Jesus models, is relational. It's 
phone calls, in person, talking back and forth. It's, he had 12 disciples. And so I just wonder if we could reclaim discipleship as really relational. Yeah. And discipling someone into what is, what is Christianity? What, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And just who does God put in front of you? We can learn from all these amazing pastors, all these amazing people that we, we podcast. We have so many amazing information sources. I, I love it. But discipleship, I think, is just looking who's relational, who's in front of you. That's, that's a way to join in. Yeah. The, one, of the great, one of the great metaphors that I've heard over the years is uh, it's the difference between being in the stands and watching a game and actually going down and participating in it. And, uh, and so, in fact, he was saying that one of the primary jobs of the pastors uh, is to get them out of the stands and onto the field. That's one of the primary, we gotta get you out of the stands and onto the, onto the field. Okay, and it can look, I, there are so many different ways that this can, can take form. You know, I mean, it could be an intentional grandma and grandpa. I mean, this, this is our first service, our early service. You know, so it could be an intentional grandma, grandpa that's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have, if you got grandbabies close by, once a week, they're going to come over and I'm going to share, uh, you know, what the Lord has done in my heart or read the Jesus storybook Bible with my grandkids or, I mean, very simple, intentional steps. Then the other thing I, I feel like I had to add before, we're, we're almost out of time already, but that's so important is the enemy wants you to marry faithfulness with efficacy. So... If you share your faith and it's not received well, you're bad at sharing your faith. Hang on a second. Your commitment to be faithful to share what God is doing in your heart and their battle over what they do with it are two different things. So good. So you are called to live the gospel out and share your faith and talk about what you believe. And absolutely they are not all going to respond in an ideal way. And so your faithfulness to God won't always produce the efficacy, the effectiveness that you wish it would. It doesn't mean that you're disobedient. Do, Do you hear what I'm saying? And so faithfulness and efficacy are two different things. Their response to it, you being faithful and them responding to it are two different things. Yeah, I completely agree with, with that, Mike. The idea or the phrase, obedience is success. The results are on God. Salvation is the Holy Spirit's job, not my job. Thank God for that. Um, obedience is success. And I just want to finish, Mike, with celebrating some obedience, celebrating some faithfulness of our people. And I kept these anonymous specifically because I think they're for everyone. Um, everyone can step into this, and it's the Holy Spirit's work anyway. But there's just a few things, speaking of obedience, I wanted to share. Um, our church right now, there are people in our church who are adopting fostering and providing respite care for people that don't have a home. They're literally giving their home to children. I think that's a wonderful way to not only share the gospel, but to share your life with people. There are people who, in their places of business or in their hospitals they work at, they offer prayer to every one of their clients, patients that come in. They just said, can I pray for you? How can I pray for you today? Some people say no. Some people say yes. What an amazing way to just open the door. Faithfulness. Maybe they're not going to lead everybody that comes into Christ. Faithfulness. It's amazing. There, There are people who invite their neighbors over regularly just for a meal, just for coffee. They just have an open table where it's like, hey, do you want to come over? Do you want to enjoy a meal? Building relationship. Um, You said this earlier, Mike. I had it on my notes. Pretty awesome. Grandparents. I've heard from many grandparents and parents that read the Bible with their grandkids and they take them out to lunch. They they, they pay for their lunch and they're just like, I want to hear your heart. I want to get to know you more. They're investing in the next generation. It's so, so wonderful. And then lastly, just another example. Someone started a Bible study and invited people and just this last year, they, in their own living room, led someone to the 
Lord. Yeah. Just in their own living room, they started a Bible study, invited someone, and they gave their life to Christ. You guys are doing this. We are doing this. We are being the church. And I just want that to throw fuel on the fire that more is possible. We just got to give our obedience to God and the city of Indianapolis can be changed forever by simple steps of obedience. Um, Yeah, go. go. No, you're good. I'm going to invite Josh up and uh, and then I'm going to close out with you here in just a second. Uh, But I I do, again, I want to circle back around to that idea that this is one of the steps where there is massive amount of spiritual warfare over it. Um, you better believe the enemy is going to do everything that he can to make you feel like a failure when you try this. He will. He is going to do everything that he can to make, man, that was, oh, why did I say it? That was, that didn't go right. I can't believe I said, I, this, we ought to, just the, the shame and the doubt and that like there is mountains. The enemy is going to do everything that he can to shut you down say things like, that's not my gifting. It's not for me. I'm not good at it. I don't know how to. I don't know enough. Somebody else ought to. Like the enemy's going to do everything he can to convince you that you can't, that you can't, that you're not good, that you're not able. And so just hitting pause and, and, and acknowledging there is a lot of spiritual warfare over this. There just is. Now I was talking with a dad not long ago, newer believer, and he was like, man, I don't, I don't know. You said something about praying over your kids in the evening. I've been thinking about that. I, I don't know, man. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure I'm the guy to do it. I'm afraid I'm gonna mumble around, not say it right. And I, it's like, listen, all I want you to do is close your eyes, wrap words around how you love Jesus and wrap words around how you love your kids and then say amen. Just, just start with that. Wrap words on how much you love Jesus. Wrap words on how much you love your kids and say amen. Yeah, and then you can add how much Jesus loves your kids. And you can add, you can add like just, but just, just start, just start. Um, and, and I would say too, we pay AJ to help you uniquely figure out a way to do this. So if you're going, I would love to live sent but I don't know what that looks like in my context. I'm a whatever, salesman, you know, working in medicine, doing whatever. I don't know how to live sent in my context. Or maybe you're going, I wouldn't mind just taking it up a notch as a school teacher or as a whatever it is that you do. Here's my challenge. You don't have to figure it out alone. Fill it on your next steps card. Reach out to the church and go, I'd love to go get a cup of coffee with AJ and just share what my job is. Share, I'm retired, I don't know, wherever you're at in life. And brainstorm ways to do it with AJ. That's all I challenge you to do. That's the first step. Just sit down and have a conversation about it. What can I do? Give me a reason to pay him. Please. And so that would be my challenge. Just, Just sit down with him. And go, I'm a school teacher, I'm a whatever, I'm retired, I'm a grandpa, I'm working as a salesman, I'm in whatever job you are, and I'd love to live sent, and I don't know what that looks like. Can we just have a conversation about it? Why not just take that initial step? I would love for his calendar to be filled. I would love for him to be like, Mike, I'm backed up for three weeks. Just start there. The second thing that I'd ask you to consider is join one of our sent services, where we kind of do this as a corporate group. Uh, about once a quarter, we get together and we talk about where we feel like God is calling us to live our faith out and 
share around a table unique ways that we're trying to make that happen. And so that would be my challenge to you, would be that. Um, just have a conversation about it. Sit down with AJ and be like, man, I'm not sure where to start. You know, I'm a stay-at-home mom, whatever. W what do I do? What, what are creative things I could do in my neighborhood? Help me have conversations about this. Brainstorm it. Just take that first step. Consider it. Um, AJ, would you pray for us? I would love it. Yeah, let's pray. If you would, kind of as we said earlier, would you close your eyes and just imagine your week playing out in front of you? Let the faces flash in front of you of who you're going to see. Let the buildings you're going to go into, the homes you're going to enter. And as we sang earlier, we really do just want to speak Jesus over those places and those people. Maybe as your mind is even going through your week, you don't see a lot of interaction with non-believers. You don't see a lot of people that you could share your faith with or you could build a relationship with that doesn't know Jesus. You can just ask in Jesus' name, Lord, would you bring people into my life? Would you bring people, would you show me an opportunity? And as those faces and places flash forward in your mind, let's go before the Lord and give it all to him. Jesus, we love you. We are so for you. And we love because you first loved us. We are only sharing your gospel because you send us. We only know your gospel because you came after us first. Thank you for that. Thank you for the reality that we are the beloved. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, secure, and in you, we can have fullness of life. Hmm. Would you create in us, not a pressure, but an urgency, an awareness of how we can share this with the city we live in, the people we come into contact with, because we are desperate for you, God. The culture is shifting. Things are happening all around us, and we need the gospel to remain strong. We need the gospel to be advanced, and you have chosen us as your church to be the way that moves forward. So, Holy Spirit, we say yes. We give you our yes. We give you our obedience, and we just say, Lord, you can use me. My life is yours, not mine. Even under your breath, church, just as a congregation together, we can just say yes together. We say yes to God. Just say yes, 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 God. We say yes to you. However you lead us, however you guide us, we want to be sent by you. We love you. Help us to love those that need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.